Thank you for joining us, those that are watching. Let's all just sit in the presence of the Lord for just a bit. Just You can wait on that picture for just a moment without putting it up. I just want you to be ready. Let's just magnify God. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks, Hallelujah. you here in those homes and places where our family is gathered the church family we glorify you Jesus Lord with a bended heart as a bended knee we cry out for Holy Ghost services for Jesus services beyond anything that we've ever known before we recognize you as the Lord and the high priest of the church Jesus we're asking for your invasion into everything not just in miracles but in the lives of people in their hearts their consecration, absolute. Teach us, Lord, what it takes to become revivalist. And then, Lord, recruit, I pray, as you will, those whose hearts are close enough to you Recruit them into that place of commitment. It's one thing to see what it takes. It's another thing to be willing to go there and make that final commitment. Jesus, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We have so much to worship God for and the path that we're on, a deliberate path into more of Him. The value of His presence. Every moment, every time that we gather together and every time that you're with us, all those that, you're, that, that are watching, part of this, you're being with us so much. An hour, I had an hour plus video call yesterday from a friend of mine that we get together once every couple of months. And he's in South Korea and we spend time and he's the only one uh, around himself and he's a job and uh, around where he's at. There's nothing like this and he watches our services and this is his church and He is uh, so starving. He 
comments how that the worship is so precious. How every moment is so precious, how it's so valuable to Him. I remember I was, years ago, I spent some time. I was over in South Korea and I met one American that week. I was the only one. I was on the other side of the world and I felt so alone. So alone. And yet I was with other Christians, Korean Christians. and Everything that was familiar to me was so precious. I'm still. Now I'm so thankful for every single one of you that are in here. And I'm so thankful for every one of you that are watching. So this is not an indictment against you. But I'm still mesmerized, I, I guess. Not in a condescending way but I'm still mesmerized from service to service why people are not packed in here and those that are part of us frequent frequently part of us why our worship services are not from front to back absolutely almost incapacitated with the ability to put anybody else in here. I am still but Immokalee is in revival. Jesus we're so hungry for you. We're so hungry for you. We're so hungry, Father. For everything that you desire to do in us. Take over our services, Lord. Flood us in our hearts another place. Commitment. Jesus. Yes, Lord. We want more of you, less of me. You could ask the Christians of caught up in the spirit now, so my mind's not what countries recently invaded? What country? Ukraine. If you'd ask the Ukrainian Christians right now if they would fill a house. in worship fleeing for their lives little children are watching bombs go off everywhere and people being killed around them you know God doesn't want crisis to bring a country to a place of commitment 
doesn't want America. He said, well, we're in America. <laughs> that won't happen. That really is. It's very, it's, it's not comical, but it's, uh, it's asinine. To believe that a fall cannot take place for us as well as it has for others. Oh yes, the churches will be crowded. Tears will be shed. People will, fear will come. The fear of God. Let's do it now in a time when no bombs are going off. Let's seek God. There's nothing in your life, not your job, not your house, not your car, not your career, not your 401k, not your friend that you think is a friend that is not as close to God. <laughs> when it comes down to, when it comes down to it, all these things are cheap. The best that we can do is give our children a heritage of calling on God and seeking God. Filling this house up and seeing people cry out for more of God. Hallelujah. That's what our heart's desire is, and, and that's why you're here. And I applaud you and applaud everyone that's watching for being on this journey with us. We've been praying for a young lady that we have never met over the last month, and uh, we have a picture of her. If I can get this up, I don't know. Um, they're going to tr try to put it up there for me. Is she up there? This is, yeah, that's Wilda. And uh, she turned a month old a couple of days ago, a few days ago, and she was not supposed to live much more than a few hours. And uh, so we've been communicating with her mother continually. And uh, so I can't tell you how many times in the last month that I was contacted saying they, wanted, they want to basically unplug her or take her off the breathing machine or whatever. They were supposed to try to wake her up yesterday and because uh, she's been sedated the whole time. Her liver, her kidneys, her brain, everything was uh, a couple, three weeks ago shutting down. And uh, she would contact me and say, Pastor, um, should I go ahead and let her go? They're, wanting, they're asking me to um, just kind of give up, give, give them permission, I guess, to unplug and then a few days ago, we've been fighting ever since, and a few days ago, the doctors got an incredible surprise that it looked like she was going to live and survive. So, hallelujah. <clears throat> now, don't, don't call me to help you with something if you're not going to fight all the way. Because I'll fight until the last breath. If you're a giver-upper, then, you know, don't, uh, you don't want to... You know, don't call me to get on your team because we're going to fight until they say that's it. And then, you know, even after they say that's it, we'll still be saying, come on. 
Come on. So, hallelujah. Christians as a whole are really, can I say this? This isn't an indictment against you because you guys are tough. They're wimpy. They're real wimpy. They hear the first sign of, like, it doesn't look good and that, like, okay, well, okay. No, come on. Let's get real, real tough. Real, real tough. So, hallelujah. Thank you for your giving. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to have you stand and we'll greet each other and the kids can be dismissed. But I'm asking you to prepare something now. Please get ready to give as you're meandering and saying good morning to each other. Um, then you'll have an opportunity to stop by and, and, and put something in the offering or giving something through uh, PayPal or however you give. Let's pray. And Father, we just continue to speak life over Wilda. We thank you that in Jesus' name that she will live and not die. We command life into her heart, her lungs, her liver, Lord, her brain, every part of her, that she wakes up and she's totally normal and that she is not incapacitated in any way. We speak life to you, Wilda. We command you to live and not die. We speak life to you. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this offering this morning, the blessings of everyone that is here and those that are watching in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. And... uh Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't you go and greet someone? If you have an offering this morning, bring it forward and uh, kids can be dismissed. Amen. Give everybody a moment, a time to kind of get back over. You guys are a real loving bunch, you know. So um, we appreciate all that. And no service tonight because we've had services all week and uh so we're going to allow give you opportunity to rest and uh, be with family and uh we appreciate you coming this past week and being part of all of everything that god was doing hallelujah amen so we're getting arranged and rearranged and getting ready hallelujah thank you jesus so we want to thank uh, again pastor jim martin and kathy for coming they did a great job god did a great job through them and um, we appreciate all of you for supporting this past week with your attendance and with your giving and uh, they were blessed and they just enjoy being with you guys it's a great pleasure for all of us ministers who can come to a place where there's a maturity a foundation by which you can begin to speak and uh, we're all we've all spoiled spoiled each other <laughs> Kevin was talking to me in the break, and I, I won't go into the details, but he was away at another state and uh, visited another church. And he goes, man, we are spoiled. <laughs> we are spoiled. I said, well, all the glory to God. So, yep, we are. Hallelujah. No service tonight. Man, I'll tell you what. Um, the girls are all right. Did they have to go do some more today? You're, oh, there they are. There's Renee. Um, oh, my God. 
I, I wish you could see these guys clogging. They're unbelievable. Renee and Abby and Sarah. Oh my. We're just going to have to one day probably put on a display up here on, have some kind of, I don't know what, we're, some kind of fast Terry McCallum or something. I don't know what. We'll put, it was, it was great. We saw them at the Swamp Cabbage Festival yesterday and they are in shape because I would have passed out after the first. But I think I can do it. Would you like for me to? <laughs> could do some river dancing here. Yes, yes. Applause will get me everywhere. They were incredible. They were really, really, really incredible. So were you that, were you the, the one they were talking about, Sarah, where somebody had been there only two and a half weeks and had learned all it? Because, oh, that was somebody else. But it was great. Fantastic. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord, and uh, we're going to get started. I want to uh, pray, and then we're going to become laser. Becoming laser-focused is, we've heard that term before, haven't we? Becoming laser-focused, and uh, we're going to share from God's Word and some prophecy and other things this morning. So, Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord, that there is family not only here, and we're all family, but the family that is watching wherever they're at. And there is too many states now to even begin to list all those states, but they are family. And just as sure as if they were seated here this morning, we love and appreciate them. They're part of our services, and we're all praying for one common cause, and that is to receive an outpouring. When we get it here, they'll get it there. Because this, this travels, it goes wherever people are praying. And we give you all the praise, Jesus. We truly give you all the praise. Help us to enter into this, Father, by your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. To start with this morning, I want to define, or let's say continue to define, um, what our vision is. And I think every one of us in here understands that our vision is revival. It's an outpouring, an outpouring uh, that we call a revival. Um, there's an initial outpouring, I guess you might say, and then a revival, tsunamis from that, and it continues. And what we believe that we have found not only prophetically through present-day speakings, but also through the Word of God, we believe that we've given a foundation for years for us to believe that there is a coming outpouring revival and it is we are in the edge waters of it now every once in a while i will get an email from somebody that says can you really find revival in the bible can you really well some sometimes i find people that are really earnest um, in their question sometimes people are just wanting to argue they just want to argue um, I understand immediately when they ask the question um, that they are very unfamiliar with our services. They haven't been, either they're unfamiliar, they haven't been watching long because we've covered that so many times. And a lot of times I'll say, covered this, and if you'll continue to watch, we'll cover it again. I don't go into a whole lot of explanation because it'll, if they're really tuned in with us, they'll continue to get their answer. But if not, then all they want to do is kind of give their 
their thoughts. And then no matter what you respond with, they're going to, they're going to counter with it. You know the Proverbs, and, and listen, I'll preface this by saying not every question like that is coming from a fool, but I'll use this scripture. Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 26. In two verses it says, Answer not a fool in his folly, lest you become like him. The next verse says, Answer a fool in his folly, lest he become wise in his own conceits. So what do you do with that? Well, sometimes you answer a fool and sometimes you don't answer a fool. That's all you can interpret. There's times when you do and when you don't. And again, I'm not calling that person or any person. No, revival, the word revival, not it's not in. The concept and the truth of it is absolutely from cover to cover. Um, the church as what was um, initiated by Christ is a phantom to what it once was. Our revival is to go back. Revive means to breathe life into it. it it's very little. It's a, it's, a, it's a benign, very benign argument to say, well, revival, I, you know, I don't care what term you want to use it. That's benign. It's really, let's say, a the kingdom of God coming back in demonstration as it was. How, however, do you, do you understand the concept, the revelation? Well, revival's not in the Bible. Neither is the word homosexual or the word dinosaur. Uh, we believe dinosaurs existed. We know that homosexuality is a is a sin that's listed um, as a deadly sin if you continue therein. So the arguments of what we're after, definition-wise, is is uh, if you argue that it's very, very um, infantile. It's benign, I should say. So let me continue to define. Uh, I don't think it's a redefining, but we say often around here, and Gay leads us every week in our Sunday night confessions. Um, there's a multitude of them. But let's say this together. I say, I say that Immokalee is in revival. I say that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the dead are raised, demoniacs are set free, and thousands and thousands, thousands and thousands, Hundreds of thousands are born again in this revival. Hallelujah. Amen. I, you know, Pastor Jim, when he closed Wednesday night, it was incredible closing. He prayed, a, I believe it was a prophetic prayer, it reminded me of Solomon's prayer, the dedication of the temple. It was so strong uh, that when it was over, it was as if, man, I, I stepped up here and I, I had no expectation of what was about to come. For the next several minutes, it was like, whoosh, just the Holy Spirit fell in this place. And it was an ending. He had incredible, the Holy Spirit had an incredible ending of giving us a vision for where we're headed and what we're supposed to be doing. And even a material geographical vision. You know, you intercessors, it's your fault. It's your fault when we get 
big. It's your fault when we get large. It's your fault in a good way. And I appreciate and I thank you from the bottom of my heart because this room, is, is, this room will not even begin to contain us in the days ahead. And so, well, where are you looking at? I'm not looking at any place. I'm praying everything into existence. You, you start going off in your mind and start trying to figure out things. He will come to us and tell us when that is. And he'll also deliver the millions for it too. When he gets ready to build it, it'll be like, really? <laughs> be just like, wow. Thank you so much for that two million. Thank you so much for that three million. Thank you so much. It'll just come in. That's the way that God is. But Jim was so... You know he he uh, he's a man of research. So he so he researched and he he found out that Ava Maria community right outside of Immokalee, five minutes is the number one number one. Now there's a lot going on in Houston. There's a lot going on in different places around the country. It is the number one. If you go, you can look it up. Number one planned community for growth in the United States right now. It's the fastest growing, let me say that, the fastest growing planned community in the United States, present tense. And I could jog to it. It's amazing. It's right here at us. They're coming in. Why are they coming in? Because they're all going to be born again. We're going to get them Catholics speaking in tongues. And whoever else moves out there. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. So our definition of revival is all the miracles, but the end result is the harvest. Right? It's all the miracles. Gary Carpenter, I love, he holds up. Um, those of you that watch my good friend Gary Carpenter, he, he often will turn around from the podium to a box that is directly behind him on the stage where he ministers at there in the prayer center in Tulsa. The box is, uh, you know, serrated or not serrated. It is covered with uh, pictures of impossible situations in the natural. Little children that now have grown uh, with all kinds of defects that there is no way humanly possible through the greatest means of science can they possibly be healed. Uh, one, one young lady uh, who was born with half a brain um, now is an adult because she's, her picture has been on that box. Tommy Perez that you've heard me talk about um, uh, with cerebral palsy that was born that way and is... There's, there's just no way for these people to recover. And Gary will often hold this up and he will talk about this is a picture of revival. When all of these get healed, then we're in revival. We have to keep that standard, right? We have to keep a standard of nothing less then the, then the works that I do, this is what Jesus said, you will do also. And he healed them first time, every time, and all the time. Now that will blow a precious Baptist person's mind, but 
I'm not into arguing. I think I, I think I could do a pretty good job at debating. But I've never seen anybody win a debate. But you can't find any place in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can't, you can't find a hint of it. That anybody that came to Jesus was not healed. Now, if you could find that, then you've got an argument. You've got, you've got an argument. You can't find that he healed them first time. Every time. All the time. Every time they ever came to him, Jesus. And so, revival for us, here's our standard. Our standard is not getting a bunch of people, although we want a bunch of people saved. But our full-blown revival is all those miracles happening all the time, every time. That's our, that's our definition. That's our definition of revival. I believe that success could be one of our greatest enemies. Let's, let's, let's war in our hearts. Let's put a standard in our hearts all the time against the enemy of success. What kind of success? That if we begin to grow because of momentary times where people begin to receive miracles and a growth process takes place and we double or we triple, for God's sake, unless all those notable miracles are at the same time, we'll be in a process, we can be praising God, but to think we have arrived, this is it. This is what we prayed for. No, 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 no. It's not what we've prayed for until all those things are happening every time, all the time. That's our standard. Well, that's, that's fairy tale stuff. No, that's in the Bible. That's Jesus. He did that. And the apostles in the book of Acts. If we could only locate that to Jesus, then we could still say there could still see, be something in the subliminal part of our thought process that that was jesus yes those are the promises and he said you could do it but that was jesus we find when it spills over into acts the apostles were doing the exact same miracles that jesus did in fact that give i'll give i'll give peter one up on jesus i, re, I remember they touched the hem of his garment but i never remember uh his shadow healing people and they brought them in from not only jerusalem but it said neighboring cities and peter would just walk down through there and if they got in shadow distance it wasn't that the shadow healed anybody but if they got in the perimeter of where the glory was at they were all and the and the word says they got all of them got healed they all got healed that's incredible that's an upman on Jesus. <laughs> Not that he didn't have that same power. But I'm telling you, they, it, it was working then. Father, we are asking you absolutely as an elder of the church, and I pray that the elders will agree with me, that Lord will never settle. That no amount of success, if we begin to double, if we begin to triple, if we have to move from this building to another building and we're joyed like... While we're growing, God, please, I beg of you, define for us forever where you would call revival and the outpouring in the book of Acts. Let nothing be a place where we settle and say, this is it, this is the land, this is the promised land. Unless all those things are taking place, 
we have not yet arrived. Therefore, we will continue to seek. We will continue to persevere. We'll continue to ask, seek, and knock. Hallelujah. We get together. I, we brought Jim down here. I'll go up there in April. I'll go to Tulsa if the Lord tarries and doesn't come back. And I don't see the Lord coming back because we haven't had this outpouring. Um, I'll go to Tulsa in October. Um, but let me say something that may shock you. Um, I think you'll understand when you know what I'm talking about. I wish, I wish that I could not go uh, to that conference in Tulsa. I wish I could not go to the conference, um, did I say Dayton? I, I wish I couldn't go or get there in Tulsa. Why? Because revival would be so raging here in Immokalee that I couldn't get away. And there was so much going on. Do you understand the busyness of revival? Do you, I, I mean, if you read the book of Acts, and I, I believe you have, when so much is going on, see, those conferences are wonderful and they're, they're, what we're doing is biding our time. We're not wasting our time, but we're biding our time in doctrine and in asking and seeking and knocking. But we're biding for the place where, sorry, Jim, I'd love to come. Some of my elders, I'll send them. We are so, there's three or four hundred daily being born again. And he'd say the same thing to me. How are we doing back there, guys? We're doing good? You don't know? Okay, hallelujah. Is anybody watching me? We're on the website. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing when God's anointing really starts strong on a message that we have these problems? I'm going to speak to it right now. I'm going to speak to it. In the name of Jesus to this attack against our streaming, I speak to you in the name of Jesus and I command you along with these elders and everyone that is watching in Jesus' name. This thing is broken off. We'll not in, in, um, in a complacent attitude against you. But in Jesus' name, we speak and we command you to desist the assignment of all devils we say are broken off. By the power of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So I encourage people all the time to go with our website rather than YouTube. It's usually much more dependable. Okay. So hallelujah. So we are streaming on our website. Good. Praise God. Thank God for Harry. A lot of times we'll have Harry back there and we'll say, man, this isn't working. This isn't working. And of course... His dad is the same. They've got an even disposition. And then, then he's got to come up here and lead worship. And after we put all that on him, it's like figuring out stuff at the same time. Somebody said, what does that matter back there? I'll tell you what it matters. It matters for the Scots in South Korea. It matters for all the hundreds of people across our nation that are watching us this morning going forward with us into revival. Hallelujah. So I believe it's broken off. It has to change. This is foolishness. It's absolute foolishness.
So, Pastor, you're saying you don't want to go? No, I, I want to go to all the conferences. I want to be so busy in revival that I can't get there. Do you understand that? There's a difference. Hallelujah. Now, our path, um, our path in general, our path, the path that we're on in general as Christianity is a narrow way. But it becomes all the more laser focused as we, as a result of our call. Okay, everybody heads up. Stay with me. I know I interrupted things for a moment there, but I had to address that. Our call, just as, as in Christianity, becomes narrow as, you know, you've stepped over into Christianity. But then our call as a group of revivalists all the more, all the more narrows that path. So our title this morning is laser, becoming laser focused. Now listen to this, and I believe the Lord gave me some things to say here, and then we'll go to the Word here in just a moment. But listen to these paragraphs. The church has lost its power, and I'm talking about the overall general church. The church has lost its power because of a lack of commitment to something worth more than anything in life. A commitment to do something worth dying for. Okay. The church has lost its power because of its lack of commitment for something that is worth dying for. Now listen to this. A false narrative has been presented to the message of the gospel in the modern church. It sounds so close to the truth that at first it can be accepted, but further inspection reveals it's a lie. Well, what's that false narrative? I'll tell you. A false narrative is salvation is free. It cost him, Christ, of course, everything, and it cost you nothing. Nothing could be further from the truth. In truth, in truth, it cost him his entire life. It cost him everything. It is true that we have nothing of ourselves to approach God with for salvation except the finished work of Christ. That is the truth. But for the full value of salvation to take place, one must understand that they are not only accepting the finished work of Jesus, but also making a commitment to give one's life over to following Him and His commandments. It will cost you your life. Well, it's free. No. The freedom is you couldn't do anything about it. Now, if, if you accept this free gift, it costs you everything. It costs you your entire life. The ease. Now, listen. Why is there no power in the church at all? Why are we having to revive this? The ease by which millions have entered in at the door into Christ 
through false teachings has also produced an ease by which millions have slipped back out of Christ. In other words, easy come, easy go. The lack of understanding of all caps, worth, the worth. Without the body in the gospel, when the gospel is presented, without the understanding of the worth of what an individual is receiving and committing your life to at salvation has produced, as I said, an easy come and an easy go salvation. Having no skin in the game has produced a mindset in the church that Christianity is not much more than joining a sacred club. What's skin in the game? It means you've got an investment. Somebody invites you to a meal and you've got several people that have put $100 in there and they've paid for the meal. They've got skin in the game. Now they could criticize and say, you know, that doesn't taste quite as... If you're, if you're eating for free, you don't have no right to criticize nothing. Not that there's enough salt or enough, enough this, enough, enough that. You don't have no skin in the game. You didn't put up nothing. You ain't paid for nothing. That's how it is in life. If you've got an investment, it's worth to you. If you put something in it, you understand there's a worth there. People have rec- have received a greasy grace, greasy grimy religion. Say these words and go on with your life. Salvation is not free. Now that could be misunderstood, but I've just qualified it. Salvation costs you your commitment. If you do not know, understand what you're committing to, then don't say the words. Christianity cannot be joined. You can't join Christianity. Christianity must be born into spiritually. Well, my parents are Christians, so I'm not. No, 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 no. You have to, every individual has to be born. You can't join. Nobody, I want to join the, uh, millions of people have joined the church. That doesn't mean they're born again. You have to be spiritually born you cannot, you cannot join Christianity. You have to be born into it, spiritually. And your mom and dad cannot birth you in. The power of the first church, now listen to this. The power of the first church was, it was a reward. The power was a reward. It was a given over. Because of their knowledge of the worth of what they had committed themselves to. In other words, the the power followed them because of their commitment. To be baptized in water, now I can tell you, I promise I've done enough. I have enough contextual understanding. I have enough historical understanding. This was no less, there was no less than this commitment by everyone. To be baptized in water in the first church was an open commitment to the public. It was an open commitment to Christ. For the Jew, it was an open declaration that they would no longer live a life under the laws of Moses, but under the commandments of Christ. That was their open commitment. This is my way of telling everybody, 
I'm, di- I'm, di- I'm dying with Christ. I'm raising in a new life. I no longer will serve under the Mosaic law. I will serve under the commandments of Christ. In actuality, it served in two purposes. It was a testimony of their Christian life. It was also a divorcing. I'm divorced. I'm devoid of that. It's over. That life is... <laughs> is that a commitment? Oh my God. To be baptized in water for the Gentile and the heathen. It was an open declaration of divorcing themselves from all previous gods and practices to serve only one God through the commandments of His Son, Jesus Christ. We wonder why there's a lack of power. To say the words, Jesus, come into my heart, if you do not know, if you devalue, if you devalue the worth of what you're committing to, then you're devaluing Christ and you're devaluing all of everything that he said would follow you therefore or thereafter, as in power. To say words, as millions have been taught to say, and do not understand, wait a minute, let me caution you. In fact, let me try to talk you out of this. (laughs) Maybe you don't know what you're doing. Maybe you don't know that a commitment to Christ for the, for the Gentiles meant they were divorcing themselves from the gods that they had always served. This meant for both Jew and Gentile almost an immediate persecution because they would be disowned by their families. They were committing to something, but they were giving their whole life to it. Do you understand? Well, salvation is free. Not from the beginning. And not even today. Free, yes, and you could not do anything of yourself. But it is an absolute commitment to following Him. Well, do you have word for that? Yes, we were going to get to the word. And you questioned? (laughs) Okay. Go with me to Luke. I want to look at the doctrine. Let me read this as you're turning there. Luke chapter 13. Again, no skin in the game and an easy come and an easy go attitude has so devalued, so devalued the worth of Jesus Christ and his devaluing has also been at the expense of a tremendous loss of power. Did everybody hear that? Let me say it again as I'm sure by now you're there again. No skin in the game. In other words, no investment on your part. With an easy come and an easy go attitude has so devalued the worth of Jesus Christ. And with his devaluing has also been at the expense of a tremendous loss of power. In other words, the less you value Christ, oh, he's my Lord and Savior. Oh, you're lying. You are lying. He may, you may still have enough of the new nature in you that you're not gone yet. But he's nowhere near your Lord if you're deliberately sinning. What's deliberately mean? You may, you may, oops, go through a red light or, you know, go through or, Speed 5 or 10, 15 miles an hour over. 
I had somebody tell me one time, well, there's sin, sin, sin is sin. Are you kidding me? You don't even know the Word of God. There are certain sins that will, well, everybody's going to be, you know, you got to be perfect to get there. Listen, <laughs> everybody will get to heaven with stuff that needed to be fixed, but still didn't keep you out. Do you understand that? If, if he tells you to pray an hour a day and you live the rest of your life and you don't pray, but you prayed, if you prayed 20 minutes a day, well, you're still, you're still going to heaven. My God, not praying enough doesn't keep you from heaven. But if he told you to do it and you knew he told you to do it, the Bible says to him that knows to do what he's told us and do us and does it not, it's sin. Well, that sin won't send you to hell. Somebody said, well, they're running through a street light or whatever is the same as, my God. You're telling me, now let me get it straight. I, I got to, this is just, I, I just can't. You're telling me, and I can go all the way back to the law. I can go back to the law. There were certain things in the law that got you, some things would get you a penalty. Some things would get you graveyard dead. Some things would be a slap on the wrist, you know, a transgression. Some things would get you stoned. Even the law said there's different degrees. And Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, they all tell us there are certain sins that will get you. If you continue in those sins and don't repent of them and come out of them, they'll get you. But he's not your Lord if you deliberately... See, it... <laughs> Is you can oops a red light, but you can't oops adultery. You got to go someplace. You got to do stuff that takes time. You can't oops. Those are deadly sins because you did it knowing. Hallelujah. And a and a weak gospel. Why is there no power? Because preachers won't even tell people that. They won't even tell them people. Thank you. Thank you, Callie. I love you, Callie. Thirteen. I said thirteen, right? But then I, get, I didn't give you the verse. Verse 22. Now, this was the doctrine of Jesus. Because, you know, uh, this was something that he thought how he, you know, what Jesus thought about salvation. And he went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? I've wondered that sometimes myself. Have you ever wondered how many really are saved? <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, there's only me and you, and I'm kind of concerned about you. <laughs> Then he said, then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto, unto them, strive to enter in at the gate, at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. The word strive here in the Greek is the same word where we get our word to agonize. 
It's agonizomia. And it means to struggle. It means to strive. So if I said this, if I read this, struggle, agonize, to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Albert Barnes, which is a notable, I don't uh, spend a whole lot of time in commentaries, but I'll, I'll sometimes, but I thought he did pretty good on this, uh, which is a notable scholar, lived back in the 1800s. The word strive here, he says, literally means to agonize. The word is taken from the Grecian games in their races and wrestling and various athletic exercises. They strove or agonized or put forth all their powers to gain the victory. Thousands witnessed them. They were long trained for conflict. conflict, And the honor of victory was one of the highest honors among the people. So Jesus says that we should strive to enter in. And he means by it that we should be diligent, be active, be earnest, that we should make it our first and chief business to overcome our sinful propensities and to endeavor to enter into heaven. And he gives uh, this same figure uh, of understanding in other verses in which we won't go into. The word straight, straight gate, the word straight is the word stenos, which means a narrow, not straight as in straight going as a string, but it means narrow. It means a place that is close, very close. Let's look at verse 25. He said, let me just read this as a continuation Starting back in verse 22, and when he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem, then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say, many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able to able. That is verse. Got my notes here. Is that verse 23? 24, 25 says this, When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not from whence you are. Now here comes the argument, because Jesus is giving this parable for us to understand based on the question that was asked him. Then shall he begin to say, or then shall they, ye, being those that were the argument against the Lord, they will begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. What does eat and drunk in thy presence? Doesn't that sound like we fellowshiped in church, we've been in the house of God, and we've heard your teachings. Not that Jesus, he's not saying that he would be the one that actually delivered himself, but the argument would be in the last days by those who he would say to them, eventually, I don't know you. They would say, but we've, we were in church and we heard all your teachings. 
And he says, they'll say, we have eaten and drunken in thy presence, and thou hast taught, taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. In other words, I don't know you. If he did know them ever, that they had long since lost all identification of their place in Christ. There will be weeping, he said, and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. They shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God and behold, there are the, or there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. Now, was this the only time that he made that statement? No, go to, uh, let's go, to, this is even a different time because this is not the Sermon on the Mount, but let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 12. <clears throat> what we are not saying in this message this morning is that if a simple yes to Jesus, and I'm asking you to come into my heart, then also has to be piggybacked immediately with works. We are not saying that. What we are saying is this, that in that come into my heart, I accept you, is to be a knowledge of what one is committing themselves to. And without that knowledge, and God only is the one, God's the one who sees the heart, whether that heart was really truthful, saying, Lord, I really want you. But without that knowledge of true commitment and what, what is asked of you, there is, as I said from the beginning, there's an easy come, easy go. As easy as you came in on that kind of understanding, it's very easy to slip right back out and live a life for years that never serves the Lord and then is very dangerous, very dangerous to not ever making it. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This Jesus said this is a different time in which he said what I just read out of Luke. Look at verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you, sh you, would, at you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Remember, straight is a narrow place. It's a squeeze. I went to a place called Rock City with my dad and mom when I was a little kid, and I was probably about Joe's age, and uh, it's up in Tennessee. I got out on a swinging bridge, and I was jumping up and down, and daddy was trying to cross it. He said, oh, son, if you don't stop, I'll beat you when I get over to the other side, because we were looking way down in a cavern. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, boy, you can stop this now. <laughs> so look at this, daddy, boom, boom. <laughs> you know what? If you don't stop, <laughs> when I get you to the other side. But we, there's a, there was a place in there where the rocks come together. It was a rocks. And there was two, there was a passage where you could walk through there. And it was called, they had on the part there, uh, Fat Man Squeeze. Well, it really was. You, and the, those huge walls on both sides. And, and I, I've always remember Fat Man Squeeze because even as a kid, you gotta have to kind of, you, you can't go this way. You gotta turn sideways and squeeze through it. And it was a, it was a, Squatch, squeeze. Listen, 
into Christ is noted in Christ's doctrine that it is a squeeze. In other words, it's not a flippid, okay, I'll say the words. It's a squeeze into an absolute change from where you were and who you were into a full commitment into Christ. This is why there is no power in the church. Because people have not understood what they have done. If they did do it, if by chance they did get in, they had no understanding of the fat man squeeze. You can't take, in fact, you can't take that fat man with you. He changes from one side of the rock to the next. He's an absolute different man. You have to totally... And it's not you that does the changing. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, 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 many there be which go in at that broad way. But straight is the gate and narrow. This word narrow here is the word thebo. And the word thebo means, it means this. It, it doesn't, it's not just narrow. It means to suffer trouble or to suffer persecution. In other words, this narrow passage is a decision that you're leaving everything behind. The blood, yes, people have preached the blood, absolutely. Preach the cross and the blood. Let them know what they're going into. You're going, this is critical. You're laying down your life. Christianity of itself, by definition, is a narrow way. And then for us, as revivalists, uh, it changes all the more. I can't get to the prophecy. I wanted us to go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will return. Uh, I don't see myself because I see I, I saw this yesterday. I want us to, to see it visually. Um, Robert, come and move this pulpit over here. And yeah, you guys or you can place it over there, maybe out of the way. Um, so <coughs> I love volunteer work when people volunteer. Thank you. Candy and Mike and Joe, can you please volunteer? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Come on. And <laughs> Christian, can you too, please? Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Are you back with us? Oh, that's so good. So you can come up here. Okay. And your brother. And you two handsome, that couple there. Okay. Yep, yep. And you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah, are you walking up here? Just keep walking. Yeah, that's so good. Praise God. That's fantastic. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do I have ten? Yeah. Count, count off. Joe, you say one, and then Mike, two, and then go. I think can all count. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, kind of get like, Mar Marty, can you get us in a wide angle here? Okay. Praise God. Kind of get at arm's length to each other. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's about, yeah. Good, good, good. Now step back where your heels up against the steps. Okay. So behind these, I want you to imagine a multitude of 
millions of people, thousands, thousands, you let the stage disappear and just just a sea of humanity um, behind these. And so every single one of these are going to represent a brother or sister in Christ that has come from a place out of the world into a narrowing where they receive the truth of the gospel and they said, yes, I understand what I'm committing to. I will make that commitment. So um, every one of you just please take us to symbolize that step. Take a step forward. Everyone take one step forward. Wow, they all stepped into Christ. Hallelujah. Meet your brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you give them a great big hand? Hallelujah. Let me, I'll be right back. Let me grab my Bible. Because I don't want to try to mutter through this. Let me turn to a. See, these have all been born again uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Where am I turning to, Lord? Okay, I know where I'm turning to. Um. They've all been born again. They've all received the power of the new nature. Um, They're equipped now with something that they did not have before, which is the mind of Christ. They have the mind of Christ because they have the they have a spirit, a, a new spirit. And that spirit has been initiated or birthed by the power of the new nature or the life of Christ. They're all we're going to call all these born again. Uh, not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single one of these um, now, it doesn't matter if they were uh, born again five years or born again two minutes ago. Um, they all have the same capacity in this, in that they are birth, Ephesians 4 tells us, and righteousness and true holiness, Okay. So their spirits will never change from where they're at present tense in righteousness and true holiness. The, the problem is the misnomer. The problem is that people have taken that, that we have instantly been, been uh, full grown, birthed as full grown as in righteous and true holiness and tried to apply that in so many other ways in which it does not it does not match. You can't do that. It's a misnomer. It's a wrong way to say it. It's a mistruth. Um, so, but all of these have the capacity um, to be taught by the Holy Spirit. In other words, now they have a spirit that can be taught. The only thing is, without being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues, what these can do, they can read the Word, and they can get revelation knowledge at times. But there can be a tremendous mixture uh, we'll never say that just because you're born again, don't speak in tongues, you can't get revelation. You can get revelation because now you have a capacity. And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is with everybody that's born again? He birthed them. He's in that sense of the word. He's in there. So they do have a capacity. But my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. When you, when you listen to, now you, you even listen to people that are spirit filled. But people that are not spirit filled, it's it could be a, a touch and go, a hit, lick and miss, as the old timers used to say. They at some things they may have got it straight, some things they may have it right, 
because they have a capacity to learn. Some things they could be as off as the north is from the south. You have no... Why? Because they have a capacity to learn, but not a teacher. This is the book. They've got the book. They've got, the, they got two things. They've got two of the three. They've got a capacity, which is a, a born-again spirit, and they've got the book. Oh, but if you leave out the, leave out the third part, <laughs> which is the teacher, my goodness. Sometimes you'll get it right. Sometimes you'll get it wrong. It's, it's not the getting right part that's dangerous. It's the getting it wrong. That is major. Now, let's talk about the narrowing of the way. Uh, let, me, let me talk about these for just a moment, just a little bit more. Uh, these all have the capacity to grow, don't they? But they need a teacher. And um, Paul says in Galatians, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, everybody say Spirit. spirit. That's not the Holy Ghost, that's your Spirit. Your Spirit. Fruit grows in the spirit. Do you understand that? It doesn't grow in the outward. It doesn't, you don't develop fruit in the soul. Fruit grows in the spirit man. That's where, now, this is where it can't be interpreted. This is where people get mixed up. The righteousness and true holiness that you were totally created with at full adult stage does not interpret over into full blown, full grown fruit in the spirit. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. That's wrong. Can you prove that? Have you been around very many Christians? Do you believe that the righteousness they were created in, that they're walking in the full capacity of the love and patience and long-suffering? Well, they need to develop in their soul. No, no, no. This fruit is grown. Let me read it for you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, do you not think that you can grow in faith? You read the word and pray in tongues, you grow in faith. And that, fra- that, that doesn't come through your soul. It comes through your spirit. Now your soul is affected by these things. The more you develop the fruit, then your soul and the natural part of you can be overtaken and ruled. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, all of these are born again. Wonderful people because they've come into the kingdom. We applauded them, didn't we? We gave them a great... Yay. They are... In their born-again character, they're full... As, as far as righteousness and true holiness, they're fully developed. I can't do anything with that. But the walk of the Spirit is for them to begin a deliberate walk where they begin to develop the fruit of the new nature. That they grow in love. They grow in peace. They grow in all these. They grow in faith. They grow in long-suffering. And then that'll spill over into a development of where it controls the natural man. Right now, as it is, since they've just been born again, these are, they're full of self. Their, their, their outward man is full of self. Uh, a position of authority was given to them. But my God, my God, God is nowhere near going to turn revival in authority over to this bunch that just got born again. Do you understand that? Because they haven't developed in love and joy and peace. You can get all the, you can get these guys upset real quick. 
Well, that's their soul. Yeah, but if their spirit is developing, the longer they pray in tongues and the more they stay in the Word, their spirit will develop and great strength. It'll spill over. These are very opinionated people. Sorry, guys. You can make these guys real mad real quick. They go to church every Sunday, but you can get them hot quick. Just go against them. Uh, they're self-ambitious. They love Christ, but they love, their, they love money more than they love God. <laughs> no, they don't. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> they'll come to church. I mean, they'll go to their work when they won't come to church. That's to me is just simple Simon says. Um, you can make them mad quick. Uh, none of these guys, but some in another group. Look at stuff. They, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna. They look at stuff they shouldn't. Oh, they'll repent. They came out of. Uh, see, from the beginning, all the deadly stuff. But for years, you don't think the church is not full of men who live their half their life having to repent of what they just looked at, what they just did. That's not the life of a revivalist. But one thing we're going we're gonna to say, God bless all these people, they're not even filled with the Spirit. The next step is a narrowing down, a laser focusing on where we're going. Is they, They've got to be filled with the Spirit because they need a teacher. They need an intercessor to pray against their weaknesses. And build them up on their most holy faith. They need a teacher to begin to show them how to develop through the word of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. All those things in which there's no, there's no ordinance against those things. So let's see, Joe, you're one. And uh, so you guys know your... Do you remember your number? I guess you do. Count off again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, let me see if I can do this. I don't, I don't even practice this, really. But all odd numbers take a step forward. If you're, okay. Are you an odd number? Okay. <laughs> see? See? I told you. I told you how they have self-promotion in them and they want to be exalted. No matter what instruction. And he's one of the smartest guys I know. Is he really? I don't care. We're still going to be... Okay, so you bunch, so there's five, so you bunch squeeze in tighter. Now you're the odds. These all got filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Let's give them a great big hand. Hallelujah. They're not loved more than the other bunch. They just have a capacity now that the other bunch doesn't have. Which they have a capacity by God, through their teacher, to pray the mysteries that will couple them to the Word of God and sync. You know how you get in a car, a rental car, you want to pair your phone in, uh, you know, to, so that you can Bluetooth it and listen. So you put in all those numbers and it'll give you, okay, follow this, boom, 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 okay, press that, and it syncs you in. Now they have a, a, they have a pairing or a syncing with the Holy Spirit, His mind, when they pray the mysteries, even what they thought was, I got a good revelation 
Oh my God, I don't know how many times. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. I want to tell you all the good revelations I've had and I keep praying on it and I have to go back and I'm looking at, oh Jesus. Oh, that wasn't it. That wasn't even near about what it was saying. Those are getting far and fewer between, but I'm finding still he's uprooting stuff as I go along. Don't, listen, let me give you a, a, a good instruction. Don't be hardcore on what he changes. If you keep praying something and you see it different. <laughs> Remember the barbershop story that Pastor Dave, the guy that went to the barbershop, he said, I went to the barbershop, God told me to go to the barbershop, and, uh, but it was closed. And I, he told me to go down there and witness at the barbershop, and then it, well, I got there and it was closed. And, and he said, Dave, can you tell me the reason why God would tell me to do that? And he said, I, yeah, I can tell you. He said, God didn't tell you. That was you. And then the guy said, no, well, maybe, you know, he said, I, then I stood on the street and I just witnessed to some guy walking along. Dave said, you know what, man, you're hardcore. You're hard. You die hard, man. Listen, when you find old revelations that don't go along with what we're understanding now, don't try to resurrect them. Don't try to keep them like, you know, this was my I, I this was my beef for a long time. Let that one die. Just let it die. Everybody will forget about it because it wasn't good to start with. So, okay. Um, so we got all of these that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they have the capacity. So, do you see this narrowing? We got those that love God back there and they are, you know, now these can still be full of self, but they now can start really praying the mysteries and developing spiritual fruit. They can really start looking into the word of God and praying the mysteries and developing their spirits can get stronger. Dave used to say, how does love grow? He said, love grows in the spirit of man through, it's like pooling, just, it's like all of God's love. It's like, yes, you, you have, you come into Christ with a capacity to love. That's a perfect love. John says it is a perfect love, but then it has to be perfected. It has to grow. And so all of these have the capacity to begin to pray the mysteries um, but here's the other thing, and, and there's so many different ways to break this down, and I could keep getting this group smaller, but let's say all these are filled with the Spirit. They can shandali, they can speak in tongues, they can, but how many of you know this? And I know that you know this, this is what, just a rhetorical question. How many of you know that if you don't do it, or if you don't spend time praying in tongues, even though you're filled, it still doesn't do you any good? It's like letting him be dormant in there. You're shutting him up. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not praying with the Holy Spirit. If, you can, if you're filled, the way that he translates and gets over to your natural mind, uh, that's a wrong way of thinking. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know what? You won't even catch your own sarcasm until he starts dealing with you. I didn't even realize was I was... I thought I was just so sweet to everybody, just like you. And you don't even realize how sarcastic you are sometimes, like I am being right now, <laughs> in a good way. And then he gets into motivations of the heart, like, why are you doing what you're doing? I was like, oh, don't you stop for anything. But that won't even happen. The Holy Spirit won't even mess with them. He can't mess with them. I'm, excuse me, Holy Spirit. He won't even mess with their minds unless they're doing something for him to be able to get in there and prod stuff. So only the ones that are really praying in tongues, 
eventually come to a place where they begin to see my life's not my own. Maybe I should belong to a stronger purpose, which is, okay, count off again, Joe. Two. That way, I'm sorry. Two. Oh, you're what? No, okay, she's not. She's from the old. Go, no, count a new. We're going to do a new one. Then she's smart too. She remembers she was nine. He couldn't even remember he was thirty. No, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, hello. Okay, so all odds take another step forward, please. Oh wow, Joe, you're still in this game here. Okay, get over closer, please. Squatch in. Okay, so. These are the ones that have made it past. Uh, they've, they've gone, they've narrowed this place down from being born again to being spirit filled, which is a great accomplishment. And then this next bunch are those who take being spirit filled and hear the message of Dave Roberson and say, you're not only supposed to pray in tongues, you know, the moment you got filled, you're supposed to pray in tongues all the time. It'd be best if you exhausted yourself. This is the perfect way to fulfill the scripture, pray without ceasing. And so these, they started praying without ceasing in tongues. And as a result of it, they begin to realize, wait a minute, my life is not my own. These are the ones, they go, they go to another place of, let's say this, mortification. It's harder I'm not saying they're perfected. It's harder to make this bunch mad. Their ambitions are starting to change. They're like, you know what? I'm not put on this planet to serve me. I'm put on this planet to serve Christ. I I want to do what he has called me to do. And so they begin, that leads them into an attitude of revival joining themselves to revival. So is there more narrowing? Uh, yes, I'm sure there is. Count off again, Joe, you're one. Okay. They know their numbers. All odd numbers. I'm glad I didn't put anybody where they're at. Uh, that way I didn't choose anybody over. All odd numbers, step forward. Joe, you're still in this. Hallelujah. Let's you two squeeze together. Just go shoulder to shoulder. Okay. count off okay you see i didn't choose this okay i didn't tell anybody where to go okay. after they are born again after they're filled with the spirit after you know the first they come out of the world then they're filled with a spirit that's a major advancement then they have to realize i have to do this i have to deliberately do this and it starts changing their life these are that these are in the place where 99 percent of christianity doesn't even recognize they don't even they think going to sunday service is fulfilling an obligation they don't know that sunday service is reporting for tour duty it's i'm reporting to i'm reporting to die sir where where would you like for me to give my life captain i'm ready to go but then even for the revivalist, there is a continuation of continuing doing. Because how many of you know, even after you've made the decision, there's the mark for 
He's going to come with everything he possibly can. Uh, next odd number, step forward. Here's my revivalist. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter who you are, your obligation or your knowing the worth by which you've been called will cause you to continually say, I don't feel like it. I don't want to, but I'm going to go into the prayer closet. I'm going to do my fasting. If it's one day a week, two days a week, three days a week, who sees me? That bunch back there, if they did fast, if you could get them to fast, they'd want everybody to know about it. The dead guy, all he wants is to know Christ. All he wants to do is to become that revivalist that lets the glory of the Lord flow through his life on a continual basis. Hallelujah. Amen. We're on a narrow path. Amen. Amen. Give these guys a great big hand. All right. Thanks a lot. Hallelujah. Renee, you didn't even make the first cut, did you? <laughs> she made it, brother. You're, you're part of her. He's one with her. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, we worship you and we glorify you. We thank you for who you are and what you are to us. We've been called for a narrow purpose. The gate, the gate is narrow. The way is a narrow way. But Lord, now that we're in it, David said, you've placed my feet on a wide plain. And your commandments are not grievous to me, Lord, to not commit adultery or fornication or those things. Lord, they're not grievous to me. That's my desire to follow you. Now, as this gate, this place narrows down in my commitment and all of our commitments, teach us, Lord, how to follow you in this last 30%, Lord, in the last part of this, I call all of us and those that are watching revivalists, and I call us in a laser-focused position in life, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Appreciate you. No church tonight. Have a wonderful day. Amen.